So those curiosities are what drove me a while back to really go swimming in the deep end of computer vision and trying to figure out like who's working on computer vision for a smartphone, where's the technology today, where's it going, and up popped this little company out of Denver, Colorado. Amongst many of the things I found, I found this company in Denver called Flyreel. Yeah. And so um, when I found these guys and learned that they were trying to figure out how to leverage computer vision in underwriting, property underwriting, I literally called them up and said, I'm flying to Denver for a meeting and I'm going to barge in the front door. And they were like, we don't even know who you are, whatever. I showed up, I banged on the door, they let me in. And after an afternoon together, we figured out that we both cared a lot about the same thing, which is how do I quickly at scale leverage a smartphone to understand a home? Hey, podcast world, welcome to another special edition of FNO and SureTech, because this one is about enduring things. Mm. Enduring, that's a good use of, uh, yeah, you like good that? job, huh? good huh? job, enduring. Huh? You can ask the question. Why, why do you say enduring? Well, because today's guest is going to talk about endurance. Okay. That's one of the um, topics. That's one of the underlying themes of today's podcast. Because today we have on Cole Winans, CEO and co-founder of Flyreel, who's here today to talk about his company and yeah. also a little bit about being an actual Ironman athlete. Yeah, I think he'll be able to talk about the endurance that he's needed in in starting his company and uh, running that for five years. But then we're also going to get a little bit of information on his triathlon journey. He is a two-time Ironman finisher, both Boulder and uh, and uh, Louisville, both very, very great races. So it's um, going to be exciting to get to talk to him today. And the endurance of pivoting from one entire direction over into another one, into an industry that is pretty difficult to pivot into and requires a tremendous amount of endurance to penetrate. And that's the insurance industry and the insurance yeah. vertical, more accurately, which Flyreel has done and is making a lot of noise and making a lot of waves in doing it. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to them. Flyreel is a company that we have learned about and we've heard about in a couple of the past episodes. And they have an amazing technology, a technology that I think will really revolutionize the way that underwriting is done, but also claims and other other industries they'll find their way into. It's going to be a great interview today, and I can't wait for everyone to hear. So rather than enduring us, nice listening to our jibber jabber, let's go straight into our interview with Cole Winans, CEO and co-founder of Flyreel. Hey, everybody. We are here with our guest today, a special guest, a referral guest, uh, the CEO and co-founder of Flyreel, Cole Winans. Hi, Cole. How are you? <laughs> hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Doing really well. Thanks for having me here. Great. Are you sheltered in place today? I am. Safe and sound. Where? Where? Where are you sheltered in place? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm in the Ozarks, uh, just outside of Springfield, Missouri. I love that television show. Yeah, <laughs> it always does come up. I, I promise that's not representative of my life. Are you sure? Because if it is, we can end this. Because if it is, we're ending this right now. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not my life. I'm a big fan of Ozark and a big fan of what you guys do. And we're here today to talk about Fly Reel and to understand what you guys do and the story behind it. Why don't we start by having you tell us what is Fly Reel? Because it can't necessarily tell what Fly Reel is just by the name and uh, what you guys do and, and what your products are. Sure. So Fly Reel, in its simplest sense, is an AI assistant and a solution that we sell directly to property and casualty insurance carriers. And this AI assistant guides policyholders, most often homeowners, through their own home inspections using pretty advanced computer vision technology. So rather than sending an inspector out to the home or relying solely on third-party data analytics, now that homeowner using their phone just walks around the house with the camera on and our AI will document all of the details, materials, objects, and more of that home uh, that are pertinent to the underwriting side uh, of property insurance. And now we're starting to get into a bit of claims as well. So is FlyRail mostly a interior tool to help the inside or does it also help with the outside of the home? Is it uh, all encompassing? It's all encompassing. We do interior as well as exterior. The only thing we don't have the policyholder scan is their roof. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we don't have people crawling up there. So in other words, somebody can take their smartphone and photograph the inside of the house? Yeah. So usually, uh, occasionally we'll have them take photos. For the most part, it's a pretty continuous experience that's using video. So what it looks like is um, it'll start as a chat bot, basically a text messaging interface. And it'll say, hey, Rob, hey, Lee, why don't you walk into the kitchen? I'm going to turn on your camera, pan across the kitchen from left to right. And as you're scanning that kitchen, our computer vision technology is automatically documenting all the details of it. So the countertops, the cabinetry, the hardwood floors, the stainless steel appliances, and based on what it sees or what it doesn't see, the AI assistant will actually react. So an example of that would be you walk outside, pan across the backyard. It sees a pool, but hasn't yet seen a fence. Uh. It's going to say, hey, Rob, saw the pool. We want to make sure no one accidentally walks into that. Do you have a fence? And if you say yes, it's going to ask you to scan it. So it's this kind of ongoing and fluid, fairly automated user experience that guides you through both that interior and exterior capture process. Wow, that's amazing. So it's quite interactive then. It's asking you to clarify things as it goes. Very much so. Yep. What a fascinating idea. So the AI recognizes attributes, construction attributes. Yes. And uh, physical attributes but it can recognize a granite countertop versus a tile countertop? Uh, well, tile, yes. Granite can be difficult. Oh. And so that's mm -hmm. where 
the design of this not being a pure computer vision solution is a good design, is you can follow up mm -hmm. when there's uncertainty. And granite's a great example of that because you have faux granite. And so right. being able to follow up and say, geez, you know, I couldn't quite tell. Could you clarify, was that granite? Was it marble? And then the policyholder tells you. Um, it's nice to be able to have that added assurance and ability to react versus if this were just a, an image submission platform where we do our best guess. And that's what artificial intelligence is, which is a heartbreaker to some. Yeah. <laughs> but having some assurance from that end user is a really important piece. So the data is not just used to determine if the risk should be written or not, but it could also help determine the value of the home using saying if it's high grade materials on the inside of the home, it's kind of a dual purpose. Is that right? Yeah. So where we see a lot of the value out of the gate uh, for our customers is correcting insurance to value discrepancies, either up or down. Mm -hmm. And then also, catching critical risks and hazards. So you do get visibility into the finishes and the materials uh, and more, but you're also gonna catch things where, you know, the industry for so long has only been looking at exterior data yeah. because the logistics and economics of at scale, getting interior and exterior data, it's just not been an option. Prohibitive, right. right? And so now, what's happening is you think you're you you know what you're insuring. You walk inside and surprise, there's an indoor pool, or there's a wood burning <laughs> stove. Oh yeah. And uh -huh. I mean, these are not uncommon things. We're catching them all the time. Or someone buys a home at auction and that home's vacant, and that comes with some added risk. So. We're catching these things all the time. So I'd say a lot of that value, yes, it, it does anchor into the actual value of the property, but also just catching those critical risks that previously you never had the luxury of seeing. I see that it can also be used for claims. Will the report capture the video uh, that is taken? So if a claim does happen on the inside of the home, that we could actually go back and look at what it looked like before the loss happen? Yes. And now you're getting into, I think, a little bit of our, our vision. Mm -hmm. We went to market and underwriting, and that's where most of our business has been to date. And it's been sure. a great digital inspection solution. But what we're really doing is creating a comprehensive baseline record of yeah. that property, both interior and exterior, so that for the properties that you've scanned with Flyreel, when there's a claim and that first notice of loss comes in, it can pull up the original scan of that home. And if that TV's gone missing uh, from the living room, well, look at the living room. You're going to see the TV there. There's fewer touch points on the claim. No one wondering, did you really have this? Yeah. And you can expedite that process. So getting these baseline records across the properties you insure at scale is really what we're aiming to do for our customers. That's fascinating. I was just trying to understand what 
what the package looks like whenever it's completed, like for an underwriter, what are you giving them back? Are you giving them back a list of items and pertinent information? Are they getting video? What, what are they getting? Yeah, they get video. So we provide all of the raw media, the video, the images that were captured, as well as the raw media labeled. So you don't have to watch the video. We'll pull out of the video right. the frames, the image frames with the items of interest and the AI automatically labels those for you. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. further, we provide metadata that our customers use to effectively fill slots in their inspection management platform or their policy administration platform that says, mm-hmm. yes, Lee has a pool with a diving board. We uh, know that he has a self-locking gate on the fence. So that metadata also goes into their system. So I'm assuming that this is an opt-in thing for a homeowner. Just looking at it from a homeowner's, you know, um, in the homeowner's market, um, they they receive when probably when they apply for the policy or the policy is written, they receive some communication from the carrier. I would assume saying, "Hey, would are you interested, or would you be willing to, or as a condition of." of us writing this policy, we need you to do this. Is that kind of how the workflow goes? Yeah, we see that's the workflow. Yes. And then that last piece, we see a mix of the level of force that our customers use in terms of getting the adoption. Some require it. Some provide this as a value added service. Others imply that it should be done. Um, so different mm-hmm. carriers take a different approach, but that workflow is spot on. I like that you call it force, <laughs> yeah. the level of force. Right, right. <laughs> so how big the club is yeah. that they carry into this? Because <laughs> I'm wondering what the adoption rates are, mm-hmm. what the success rates are that that carriers are are finding, and certainly. It, you know, the level of force that they're using is, you know, is relative to how, to the adoption. But what, what are you guys finding there? What, what are your customers experiencing as far as getting, getting an insured or the newly insured or the potential insured to, to use it? Yeah, we just got some updated data yesterday on this and I'll, I'll give you the numbers and connect it to the approach that, that carriers are using. So, when a carrier requires this of the policyholder, we are seeing the adoption and completion rate actually get into uh, the 80s. So wow. I think it was an 80%, uh, 83%. Mm-hmm. Then alternatively, there are carriers that present this as a value-added service. So um, creating a thorough baseline pre-claim scan of your home, make sure everything's insured, we'll review it, provide any loss control suggestions. When it's optional like that, you'll see the the completion rate more in the 35% range. And then you'll also see carriers that say, they won't overtly say this is required or else, but they'll say, we need you to do this. And when the messaging is done that way, you'll see that completion rate in the 50 to 60, maybe even 70% range. And so that's that's one important p- 
part about our platform is that we've developed a communication system as well, where the carriers are able to control the messaging and how they distribute this um, with reminders or uh, certain text and email or text messages and more. So we do see carriers use this a bit differently. So is that one of the things, and I mean, not to get off the direct subject of the nuts and bolts of your product, but I'm interested in the user interface and the customer experience here because the the ultimate success of this depends on the homeowner. But right. if it is successful, the benefit to the carrier is tremendous. Right. So they really want this to get done. Are you helping them with scripting or helping them say, here's the processes that work in getting adoption to happen? Yes. Like I'm thinking if I'm a carrier, maybe I say, want to earn a $15 credit or a $20 credit or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, please do this. Absolutely. So we work with all the carriers on best practices, given that we've, had the chance to do this for a number of groups for a little while now, we kind of know what works and, and what doesn't. In addition, we do monitor all analytics super, super closely so that we can catch dips in adoption or any kind of ebbs and flows in the user behavior and analytics and instruct the customer and the carrier on how to improve those. Um, so yes, we help all of our customers with best practice. We usually do a weekly or a bi-monthly analytics sweep where we put together a package and walk through everything with them and continuously work to improve completion rates or, or help them in general. Do you see any carriers who offer incentives to, to get it done? Uh, we do have some, yes. And mm -hmm. so what they'll do is, you know, sometimes it, the policy and the premium correction happens both ways. Sometimes you charge the customer more because you realize there's something you didn't know about. Um, sometimes you charge them less as a result of the same. So they have mm -hmm. an automatic shutoff valve you didn't know about or a sensor, an IoT device. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually do see in one of our pilots in a high net worth case, uh, we saw a customer um, providing discounts to right around 20 to 25% of their customers. And so we do see that. And when you, we also see carriers that have adopted this at scale now working to be able to legally adopt uh, incentives to customers with the, the DOI and more uh, to help accelerate some of that. One of the reasons that I ask this is because we're, you know, in the midst of COVID and I think one of the learnings for a lot of carriers that I've been hearing about is that people are way more willing to be involved than they kind of anticipated or expected. Of course now, and that is in the claim process, we work in claims, so that's what we hear about. But I th I'm sure that the underwriting process is quite similar. And there's always been kind of, before COVID, there was a, a hesitancy about well, do we really want to ask people to, you know, how involved are people willing to be? But what they found out because of the forced nature of COVID, um, people are, it, it, uh, people are willing. And, um, you know, I mean, COVID's a whole conversation in its own self, but right. 
but that's one of the things we're seeing. Definitely. And we've, we get to see that firsthand, you know, early on when we were getting into the market, the initial sales objections we would have is no one's going to download an app. No one's going to scan and inspect their own home. Right. And I'm super, super grateful that that's not true. (laughs) And, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it was fascinating because we've invested a lot of capital and effort into user experience and studying user behavior. And when our early adopters would scan their homes, there would be a pretty consistent question that was asked by them afterwards, which was, how did the carrier know how much coverage I needed when they've never seen my house? And when the answer is, they didn't. Right. It's pretty uncomfortable. And, you know, now we're afforded the luxury of such great technology where you don't have to do the manual photo taking app. I know there's solutions out there where you pull up a browser and you ask the customer to take 10, 20, 30 individual photos and it takes all this time and it's not a great experience. Well, now we're afforded the opportunity to streamline that, make it an enjoyable process that's efficient. Um, but you can get that data on your customers at scale and you can personalize that coverage at scale. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity. One of the areas of opportunity in our industry has been interior measurements. Does mm-hmm. uh, does your technology do anything with that or is that on the roadmap at all? It's definitely on the roadmap and uh, something that uh, that we've been been cranking on for a bit. The thing about interior measurements is you know, we're very, again, we take a very uh, customer first and, and user centric approach to designing the experience. And there's plenty of software out there for taking your finger or dragging it across the screen and measuring wall by wall and item by item uh, dimensions. Yeah. But that's just not conducive to the experience that right. consumers deserve or want. So we've been cranking on this for a bit, and I think we'll have some exciting news on this shortly. But getting the the measurements that you need with within a, an experience that the customer deserves is our focus. Um, so not yet, but soon. Man, I I'm just seeing this this complete package right here where where you could do so much. So I'm excited about future news coming out. Well, Cole, <laughs> why don't you, why don't you take us back a little bit? Where, where did this idea come from? What was the, the journey that, that, that led you here? Tell us about the, the start of Flyreel. Yeah. Well, um, I would say the journey has been anything but linear. <laughs> uh, we, uh, started the company quite a while ago, really started to, to work on it in 2015 and in 2015 we were wildly different than what we are today uh we started more as um uh uh, using ai to connect people uh to other people that have answers to questions that they have so i'll give you an example if you're trying to fix something on your grill or around the house you could speak into the phone and we used natural language processing to understand the question you're asking. 
to further extract the skills necessary to help you and then route and connect you to someone in your area with those skills over live video to help you out. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And the goal was, uh, was to index, you know, a whole, a whole city by their abilities. And so people could connect to people and get the help they need when they need it. And, and so we kind of an Angie's list ish kind of idea. Exactly. Right. And while I think it was, it was a great lesson learned for me, it was just a phenomenal product. It was beautiful. It was streamlined. We indexed 300 businesses in the Denver area, got to a point where when you needed help, you were connecting face-to-face with an expert in 30 seconds. Wow. But we didn't nail distribution. We had a great product, a better mousetrap, but Angie's List and HomeAdvisor spending $80 million in TV ads annually, and we're little fly reel over here. <laughs> it's got a real cool app though. <laughs> you had your, you had your hook in the water, but you weren't catching. <laughs> yeah, fish, exactly. You might say. Yeah. Well played, well played. But it, so, so from there, you know, we knew that we needed to pivot. We were using AI to streamline an experience of getting help in the home. So we said, how could we advance the AI to potentially deliver even greater value? What would happen if we didn't just understand what you were saying in your home, but we could understand what you were showing in your home? So we took the app and advanced it, adding some computer vision uh, capabilities on the device so that when you scanned the room, it would create a list of all the things in the room, a bit of an inventory. And at Mm -hmm. that point, we had a couple investors and mentors um, that had had success at Eagle View Technologies. And they looked at this and said, my gosh, you don't realize the value you have in insurance. And at first, I was like, oh, insurance, you know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And What's that? Yeah. 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 And yeah, is that a big market? Is there any money in there? Yeah. I don't know. So uh-huh. what I wanted to do and, and collectively as a team, you know, we didn't want to repeat history and create just a great product that didn't deliver value. So we went out to a conference in Boston. It was the AI insurance and analytics conference with this prototype. And we just showed it to some carriers to see, would this actually positively impact your business? And we received a unanimous response of yes. Uh, and then actually we connected with, with Microsoft at that conference as well, whom we partnered with on a bit of a go-to-market too. So that was... Wait, I got I to gotta, I gotta stop yeah. you there. Because <laughs> when, we, when, we, <laughs> when we talk beforehand, here you are, you guys are... Uh, a bunch of yo-yos from Denver with a product that you don't even quite fully appreciate. Right. Right. And, and so what, who's the company that looks at it and says, wow, this is really interesting. We want to work with you guys, not some other small company, but you know, one of the biggest there is. Right. I I mean, that must've blown your mind. It did. Right. Yeah, it, it did. And there is a bit of a funny story. Uh, to it. When I was at that conference, I'm a product guy. I'm a a software engineer. I I love to build 
uh, enterprise applications and AI and automation. And so I took some time to cruise the booths and I saw this one with this fantastic demo. And I walked up to these guys and uh, I said, oh my gosh, you know, this demo is so great. You know, what do you do? And so embarrassing. They look down at their, <laughs> their name tags and they say, well, uh, you know, we're, we're Microsoft. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so they said, but what do you do? Right. And so I handed them the prototype and they, they were scanning the room and we were documenting the tables and chairs and the plants in the conference room. And, and they said, Oh my gosh, you know, we've got to work together on this and uh, we're going to fly out. Uh, we'll come up with a plan and a joint go-to-market strategy. And so when we peeled out of there, we said, quick, you know, get an office. <laughs> we yeah. flew home, we got an office <laughs> and they came out the next week and they really did. Uh, they helped us a lot getting out of the gate. It was great. So I, well, so now I'm wondering, are they, are they invested in the company? No, what happened was, um, you know, Microsoft had done quite a few pushes in the AI space and, I think now everyone really is. And so they were advancing Azure and had some initiatives around that and some pretty neat technology there. And what they did is we did a joint marketing push where we demonstrated how Flyrail could operate on Azure doing cutting edge AI technology. And both sides kind of benefited from, from a bit of that messaging as well as the lessons learned. That's a that's amazing. What a great company to get started with. Right. So you have this accidental wonderful thing occur and then ha, ha, what was the next step? So out of that conference did some meetings come with some insurance people and that kind of got the whole ball rolling? Yeah, so from there it, you know we had two things that the confidence in market of having our name next to Microsoft's, um, as well as a bit of their support, which helped. And then we did have early interest from carriers and, you know, the hard part there was, okay, well, where do we focus? Because this type of technology can be applicable to claims. It can be applicable to underwriting. Multiple departments. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd say that was the next big challenge for us is where do we focus? And mm-hmm. the, the answer to that came from, you know, what's our view of where insurance is going to go in the long term and how do we invest in bringing that to life? And to, to summarize our view, it's that technology will ultimately enable very personalized and dynamic insurance to the extent that when you get a home insurance policy, that can happen as a function of you just walking around the house with the camera on, and that policy can be dynamically constructed. And then in time, when a claim happens, for some claims, not all, the lower complexity claims, you can take your phone out, scan the damage, and process that claim. So if we're wanting to achieve that vision, where's the best place to start? The best place to start is in underwriting so that you can do what we talked about earlier, where for that carrier, when the claim comes in, they can look at that original baseline. So that's where we we started to form our opinion of where to start 
And then we worked really hard with the underwriting groups to understand the data that they're getting today so that minimally we were providing that more efficiently. But ideally, we were exceeding their data expectations. And I think that's where now we've, we've landed and we take a lot of pride. I, I saw that recently you did some webinars with uh, another company that we've had on, a guest that we've had on, um, J.C. Clark from Arturo AI. And Arturo is obviously very busy on the underwriting side, and you guys are busy on the underwriting side. How, why is it that you're working cooperatively? Is that because you handle different points in that underwriting process? Well, Maybe it's even more basic is we're just not getting asking the policyholder to climb on their roof. <laughs> so, so what we've found is Flyrail provides the most comprehensive interior, exterior, ground level, factual data on a property, but we're not getting the roof. So when for carriers to couple roof and aerial imagery and analysis with Flyreel, that's your path to total property understanding. So that that mm -hmm. kind of joint presentation of, hey, look what happens when you take our data and combine it with theirs. Um, JC and I just saw an opportunity, particularly given the environment where we are, you know, recording this today with with COVID, um, to just better serve our customers. So it's two products that one carrier might use together. Right. There's no joint solution there. It was really, you know, I, I admire JC and the Arturo team and their approach that there is no kind of behind the scenes deal. It's just, gosh, this would be good for our customers if they were aware. You can get data on the ground. You can get data from the sky affordably, efficiently at scale. And you can consequently potentially write even better risk now without seeing properties than you were before when you could see them. Mm -hmm. I have a couple questions on running a startup, being a startup, et cetera. You guys, you haven't had a big round. You haven't done a series, series A from what we can tell uh, on a pretty lean basis. But one of the investors that you guys have is Gradient. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, first you have Microsoft tell you, well, well, we need to work together, which of course most technology companies would give any part of the left side of their body um, to, to have an opportunity like that. And then you, one of your early investors is Gradient. What does that tell you? What, what's it like working with them? It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal for different reasons, I think, than, you know, it's, it's enjoyable working with, with other funds. Having the expertise of Google available from a product and an engineering perspective, from an AI perspective, is a dream. I mean, it's really, it's mm -hmm. a dream. And it's been a phenomenal mm -hmm. resource for us and has been extremely helpful. So, it, you know, they do a number of, of really interesting things. I mean, they obviously know product. They're partners, the fund. A lot of them have come from Google, have been experienced engineers or business development or product development uh, uh, roles. And mm -hmm. so they understand the difficulty of delivering artificial intelligence at scale as well as the nuance. And in addition, they understand 
what it takes to navigate the large enterprise interactions that we have delivering mm-hmm. in edge technology. So if you look at part of our challenge initially coming into market, when we were coming into market, we were bringing to market a technology that was just hype filled AI. What is it? It's everything. Yeah. And everybody loved to say that, right? Yeah. So you're selling mm-hmm. a hype filled, inflated, risk packed technology to one of the most risk averse industries on the planet. That literally their job is to, to mitigate risk. And right. So yeah. how do you cut through and deliver confidence and demonstrate capability, um, you know, at scale as a startup? And I think that's an area where Gradient has a lot of experience that they can can bring to the companies, and we've really enjoyed uh, the fruits of that. And it sounds like they're willing to be very involved and helpful. Very much so. I mean, they they have a program where they'll also help support you with senior talent at Google on your team and and even dive into projects occasionally to help accelerate your development. So they're very hands-on, very supportive, definitely adding fuel to the fire. Well, I have to shout out Lyle Donan. Okay, I hope you're happy now, Lyle, (laughs) for all of us who know Lyle. But it's interesting that... Um, you know, on your investor list, which isn't long from what I could find anyways, that you have at one end, you have Google, one of the largest companies in the world, and certainly most interesting. And kind of at the other end, you have this crazy guy, Lyle Donan uh, from Donan. (laughs) Right. 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 But like Google or like Gradient, he's been helpful. Yes. Oh my gosh. Lyle, Definitely. So that's an, that's a story in and of itself because it's just been fascinating. This this has been quite the the journey. You know, having Lyle and and Google as investors, very very different investors. So grateful both of them are there. Lyle was probably the first one to reach out after we did our announcement coming to market, and I mean he flew out to our office that we had just uh, purchased within days of that announcement with a very clear vision on what this could do and a vision himself for his own business that's just incredible. And so Mm -hmm. having the industry expertise sitting on top of years and years of of kind of uh, operational experience in the market, coupled with that product experience with Google is it's a match made in heaven. I think it's something we're very, very grateful for. So Lyle's been fantastic for us. Um, I want to ask you about COVID and running a business in the time of COVID and particularly as a service provider to the insurance industry. Do you find that COVID has had an impact on the insurance industry on the way that people view you? I mean, what can you say about that? Yeah, I I think we've seen this unfold in a few different ways. You have the market responding differently based on their preparedness and their progress in terms of digitization. And so you'll see carriers that had maybe been ahead of the curve and started uh, going digital and bringing self-inspection and virtual inspection uh, into the mix. And then others that had plans for it 
that have now been accelerated, and then others that didn't have plans that have now been developed and accelerated. So it is shifting, and I would say it's just a forcing function for digitization and its acceleration across the industry. Yeah. But it's it's an eye-opener. I think there are going to be a lot of – I like to wear the, the optimist hat. I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes as a result of this. I think that mm-hmm. carriers are going to learn about different data sets available to them because they've had to rely on them while this is all unfolding, and they'll recognize the value yes. of those. So that's one of the big outcomes I see playing out. I've said this several times on the podcast because it really struck me when I heard it that I we we listened to a webinar that had a major uh, carrier's chief claims officer on it, and he said that COVID nineteen hasn't changed their digital strategy at all, but it's hastened it. Yeah, it's sped it up, and I think that that's one of the things that even on our end you know, as a claim management company, handling claims day in, day out, doing the grunt work, if you will, um, uh, that we've seen is, is that carriers have had to move quickly, which as you were alluding to earlier, is not something that you ever typically see. Right. In fact, if you love long sales cycles, come sell in the insurance industry. (laughs) Right, right. Because you'll be very gratified by that. But we've seen adoption and pivoting and at, at, a, at a pace that we've never seen before. And the question is, and I was asking this the other day, because one of the things that we've seen in our work is the adoption of quote unquote virtual claims or, mm-hmm. or inspection only more accurately. And I asked the question, will carriers want to go back? Mm-hmm. Will they want to go back to how it was pre-COVID? And the answer is, why in the world would they? Right. If they've built workflows and they're successful from a speed standpoint and most especially from a cost standpoint, where's the motivation to go back to how things were? So right. I think the advances that are made in inside the carrier, the changes that are made inside the carrier during COVID are sticky. Um, and that's why I was curious, you know, with with you guys, are, are you seeing that? Yeah, we are seeing that. And, and we're hearing those exact words from our carrier customers too is there are no intentions to go back then. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I've been, you know, typically the, the industry does have longer cycle times in terms of sales and adoption cycles. I've been just really impressed actually to see how some of these extremely large carriers have been able to pivot almost on a dime to yes. digitize. And it it really makes me happy yes. to see them putting the customer first. And what we get, we get the luxury of we do a qualitative survey after every digital self-inspection is is done using FlyRails AI. And those have been consistently positive for a while now, but the sentiment has shifted in this COVID era to not just be, hey, this was efficient and effortless, much better than having someone come out, to thank you for not mm-hmm. sending someone right. in my home at this time. Correct. I'm, you know, a mom, a single mom with a baby. I've got a lot juggling here. People are writing long notes. Uh, and we shared some of these in, in that webinar you you referenced. It's 
really fascinating to see the sentiment and, and the positive in, points that these carriers are getting by demonstrating a digital first customer first approach from from their customers they really are grateful right so you're seeing some winners really emerge now and i i think that we've seen that carriers are i think can give them a really hard time for being slow and stodgy but really as we've seen here they're actually highly effective organizations that are frequently very very well run and good at what they do Mm -hmm. and i think that what a lot of what we've seen here, like you said, their ability to move quickly has shown what they really are. And that's cool. And and I have to bring up one more thing, last thing. Mm-hmm. And that is, is that we have two triathletes on the show today. <laughs> we have two of them. We have three people on the show. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to pause for a second to let our audience guess who the true triathletes are. You have Cole who's out in the Ozarks uh-huh. somewhere. You have Lee, who's in Waco, Texas, of all places. And then you have Rob Beller, who's in California. Okay, ready? Take a moment. <laughs> you are you are correct. It's Lee Boyd, our co-host, and Cole Winans. Why are you a triathlete? No, no, what, he, he's not that? just a triathlete. He is a two-time Ironman finisher, right? He's done Ironman okay, twice. Why is, that, why is that a big because deal? Because it's why like the ultimate. Deal? It's, I mean, it's the ultimate. What is it? Two point four miles of swimming, one hundred and twelve miles of bike riding, followed by a marathon of twenty-six point two miles. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a twelve to sixteen-hour race. So he's crazy. Times two. <laughs> Times two. Yeah. Why are you why, yeah. why are you crazy, Cole? Yeah. Tell tell us what <laughs> what got you into triathletes and wanting to do an Ironman. I assume it's because you went to Boulder uh, and you're around Boulder, which is like the triathlete capital of the world. But tell us why. Um, yeah, so I used to be a hockey player, so athletics have always been an important part of my life. I'm a very competitive person, and when I stopped playing hockey, I needed to, to scratch that itch. And I <laughs> was invited to uh, a turkey trot uh, yeah. in Fort Collins. And I did a, a sprint triathlon. I really enjoyed it. And I said, next, I'll, the next best thing is to do the Ironman, I think. So, Obviously, yeah. <laughs> so sprint, sprint to an Ironman, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I, I got a bike and trained and went and gave it a go. Man. Well, twice. twice. <laughs> so what's next? What are you working on now? Well, aside from Flyreel, I think Flyreel takes most of my my attention right now. I, I'd like to do another one. I I enjoy really the reason why I I do it is I I do love uh, competing. I like to see how far I can go. I love the sport because uh, you can't hide behind teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you and yeah. you either finish it or you don't. So in a way it's simple, just move forward yeah. until you're done. And when you break it down to that simple of an exercise, in my view, it becomes therapeutic. You don't have a phone, you don't have Wi-Fi. you're just, 
you have one job that day, keep moving uh, until you're done and total disconnect. And it feels really good at the end uh, to have that uh, kind of behind you. And so I think I'll do more of them. I really enjoy the swimming side of things. So maybe a longer swim, uh, a challenging swim. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm not sure yet. So what's more exciting, finishing an Ironman or the success at Flyreel? <laughs> you know, they feel pretty similar on the good days. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of commonalities. Sometimes it feels like a very long race, like you're about to die. And other times you're on top of the world. So, you know, I'd, I'd put them next to each other, but I think overall the pride, see what's nice about, about fly reel is it's so much bigger than me. So uh-huh. you, your wins are amplified because they're not your wins. They're your teams. And to have that spread and amplified by, as many employees as you have in the company and think it makes it all that more sweet. As two people who work a little bit in insure tech and claims, we think that you have an extraordinary solution and we're really excited to see more about your claim product and, and how that rolls out. And you're, you're obviously very well thought of because there's two people who, who brought you to us both, um, Lyle Donan, and we should also mention Martha Noteris mm-hmm. at Brewer Lane. She's great. Who thinks the world of your guys' product. So thank you. Um, we thank those people for making this happen, and we thank you for giving us way too much of your time today. <laughs> no. Thank you. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much. All right. You know, Lee, we get to see a lot of interesting technologies and hear about them. Yeah. But I have to tell you, from what we do and what we're involved in, this is one of the most interesting. I would agree with you. I think this is a very interesting product. And my mind is going crazy with the amount of uh, op- opportunity that is out there for it. I mean, I'm just thinking in our space. Yeah. And in the world of insurance, there is so much that you could do with it. Like, go, yeah, give us some of your thoughts. Well, I'm just, you know, I don't, I'm just thinking if, if they could get measurement pieces, I mean, full on uh, inspection platforms that are going to allow uh, quick handling of claims at the insured level, right? They're able to take their phone, scan, if they could take prior and past imagery, I mean, they could they could do almost straight through processing. I mean, just really fascinating stuff. Not, not almost straight through processing. Just, but yeah. You, you, you hook it up with an estimating platform and it's, uh, the possibilities are awesome. Yeah, I think it's led by a great, a great leader too. Cole's a, a strong person. I mean, anybody who has done two Ironmen, uh, Iron Man's, you know, they are they are dedicated. They are uh, willing to go the extra effort, you know, to put in the extra effort. And so I think I think he's a great guy. I really enjoyed visiting with him today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we heard a lot of uh, interesting stories from Cole, both uh, on the podcast and offline. Yeah, 
when we were talking. He is uh, an ev- a delightful, pleasant person too. Oh, he's very pleasant, and I like everybody to go look at the Fly Real website. Uh, Fly what Real. What a website! It is the coolest. It's flyreal.co, and it is the neatest website. It's, I've. Uh, I we just. Didn't, yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about it on there, but I think it's the neatest thing. It is a, I, I don't know, go, go see it. It's a really cool website. That's all I can say. very unique and creative. Yeah. And it tells you a lot. Yes, it tells you a lot. A lot of technology companies, uh, they'll even come on our podcast and I look at their website and think, I have no idea what they do, <laughs> right? One in, one in particular, I'm thinking, I have no idea what you do from your website. But but Fly Real, I, I can tell you exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we know uh, several people who've had touch to um, Fly Real who helped us get there and helped us get to Cole. And we want to thank both Lyle Donan and Martha Noteris for helping us, introducing us, and both of them had nothing but amazing things to say. And these are both people who we have tremendous respect for. And if you're out there in the claim space, in the underwriting space, or just in the PNC space, uh, you need to pay some attention to to this company and this technology. And yeah. afterwards, we asked Cole, we, what what is your job as the CEO? And he said, initially, uh, we were building a product. He says, but now we're in the process of building a company, and they're doing an amazing job of that. And uh, pay attention, everybody. This 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 company matters. Yeah. So we thank uh, Cole for being with us. Thanks again to Lyle and Martha for making it happen. And thank you, Lee Boyd, for being a a triathlete. Well, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that nice of me? Thank you, Rob. Yeah, oh, that's very nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll look forward to hearing about your Ironman when that happens. Someday. Mm-hmm. Someday. One day. One day. Well, thanks for being with us and thanks for supporting us and subscribing and please keep doing that. Please uh, reach out to us and tell us what you think. You can do that through our website, fnoinsuretech.com. And until next time, we'll say... Goodbye, everybody.